sensation in sounds viewed to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. A new year often calls for new goals, and many of us have resolved to improve our relationship with money. Though it's tricky when we're constantly being shamed by the amount of coffee we purchase or avocado toast we could have made at home to remove the guilt from spending our hard-earned cash in a way that makes us happy. I'm director of podcast Taylor Camille, asking the question, how can we shift our relationship with money? First, we have to talk about it. And today, we're speaking with money and career expert Tori Dunlap, who, after saving her first six figures, founded her first 100K to help women with actionable resources to do the same. Now, she's out with a new book, Financial Feminist, to get us talking about our financial goals and figuring out how to pursue them under systems that are simply not built for women to thrive. The pursuit of wealth is not bad, but we've been told that it's bad in order to keep us playing small to keep us really controllable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm speaking from a white woman's perspective. This is even more nuanced and layered if you're a woman of color, if you are disabled, if you are a queer person, like all of these these systemic issues will and can and do affect how you manage your money. And the truth is, is that very little of it is actually like your fault or your own mm -hmm. bad decisions. The vast majority is these narratives that have been perpetuated to keep you playing small, to keep you controllable, because when you have money, you are no longer controllable. 
I am a financial educator for women. I believe I was put on this earth to fight for women's financial rights. So that looks like helping women all over the world pay off debt, save money, invest, negotiate their salaries, start businesses, and basically just feel more confident in every aspect of their lives and to use money as a tool to do that. So my story is I was the friend all my friends were coming to for advice and guidance. I was uh, lucky enough to have a financial education from my parents, thought that was normal, thought that was completely normal. And uh, and everybody had it and then graduated college and realized, oh, no, this wasn't the case for everybody. This was this was a privilege. A lot of you. And with that yeah. privilege came responsibility. So I graduated college about five months before Donald Trump got elected and was coming into adulthood and womanhood in a very different country than I think a lot of us expected. And um, I was peeling back the like inequality onion layers and was realizing in my own life that I was able to just have choices when I had money. I was able to leave bad Mm -hmm. situations I didn't want to be in anymore. I was able to take vacations or to, you know, buy things without guilt and to save money and to donate to causes I believed in. And so I don't believe we have any sort of equality Mm -hmm. for any marginalized group until we have financial equality. And so my work in giving women actionable resources to better their money both teaches them the actionable things that they do need to know, but also acknowledges that so much of this is outside of our control. And how do we use money as a tool to not only change our lives and to make an impact because that is our best form of protest, but also um, as a way to start changing the system for everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't know, something that I just thought about as, you know, I'm paging through and you kind of touched on this just in that intro. It's so seldom that we find the harmony between finances and our femininity. And you give a lot of historical context to this in the book. But what barriers really really do you feel like are still in our way? And like, why is it so hard to achieve this harmony where you can be both feminine and financially sound and like verse in this space? I love that question. For me, you know, specifically women, underpaid and overworked, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, we talk pretty much every chapter, we spend half of the chapter talking about like the narratives or the statistics that have kept women from building wealth, right? And Mm -hmm. that have made this sort of uh, beautifully put by the way this friction between you know getting our financial shit together and also being powerful women who are also feminine and all of these things mm-hmm. we're told we're bad at money we are conditioned to believe we are bad at money we are conditioned to believe we're bad at math so therefore we can't be good at money i majored in organizational communication and theater in college like math was not on the radar and now i'm a finance expert because it actually is way more emotional Mm -hmm. And way more psychological and not as much like numbers or Excel spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. And this is why actually when women do have money, we are better at We're good at it. Yeah. Than men, right. (laughs) Figure it out. We are actually better investors than men statistically. But Mm. the issue is, is that women are not investing at the same rates men are. We are Mm -hmm. better savers than men. We are better at handling our emotions, which is Mm. the vast majority of, you know, financial decisions are emotionally driven. Mm -hmm. We are less likely to make these risky investment decisions like, you know, betting on cryptocurrency and putting a bunch of money in an NFT. Like we, we are way more cautious, which is Mm -hmm. actually a beautiful thing. And we're way more, um, risk aware. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, is that we've been told for so long that money is not for us, that we're bad at it, that we shouldn't pursue money. We shame women actively for the pursuit of wealth. We tell mm-hmm. her that it's greedy or gauche or impolite to talk about money, to um, you know even want money, that it's bad or greedy, again, greedy or evil even, that it's mm-hmm. morally corrupt to pursue money. And the truth is it's not. Like it's a stack of paper. It has Mm -hmm. no moral value. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, the decisions you make with it have a moral value. The pursuit of wealth is not bad, but we've been told that it's bad in order to keep us playing small, to keep us really controllable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm speaking from a white woman's perspective. This is even more nuanced and layered if you're a woman of color, if you are disabled, if you are a queer person. Like, all of these these systemic issues will and can and do affect how you manage your money. Um, and the truth is, is that very little of it is actually like your fault or your mm-hmm. own bad decisions. The vast majority is these narratives that have been perpetuated to keep you playing small, to keep you controllable, because when you have money, you are no longer controllable in a really right. beautiful way. Yeah. <laughs> in a really beautiful, powerful way. Right. Definitely. It used to be the shame of like, don't get that cup of coffee. Do not yes. treat yourself. Like add up your coffee. And it's refreshing that we're moving away from that and into this space of like, no, how can you fund your coffee? Yes. You know, it's not something that's unattainable. And we have an entire, again, chapter about spending because the answer mm-hmm. for every other finance expert has been never spend money on anything ever. And like, that's not the answer. The answer is, to your point, spend money thoughtfully focused Mm -hmm. on your values and without a side of guilt because nothing tastes worse than a pina colada on a beach in Cabo on vacation with a side of guilt knowing that you just put all of that on your credit card and you're gonna have to face that when you get home. Like, that's not the Mm -hmm. life I want for you. I want the life of unlimited margaritas knowing you can afford it. Like, that's fucking amazing. I can buy anything I want and I have taken care of myself to the point where I don't have to work another day in my life if I don't want to. And I would argue that's way fucking cooler than being like, I am not going to handle it because I'm really uncomfortable. It's like something that I haven't talked about a lot, but weirdly, I think we, we, we find it like relatable and almost like a joke to go like, lulz, I'm so broke. And like, I have a peace sign up, which is like, lulz, it's like, I can't afford it. It's so crazy. And it's like, yeah. that's not cool. <laughs> You're not being an active participant in your own right. life. And it's also like, if you <laughs> yeah. actually can't afford it, that's a deeper question. But there is this like certain level of privilege of being like, lulz, I can't afford something. And it's like, yeah. then you are just making a choice to avoid it. And that's not sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not fun. No. That's not cool. No. You're either in poverty, which is a different conversation. Mm-hmm. You are actually living paycheck to paycheck. Or you're just like, oh, yeah, like I blew all my money. It's so funny. It's like, no, it's actually not. <laughs> it's like not great. And it's not don't spend money. We are more likely Mm -hmm. actually to talk about any other uncomfortable topic before we'll talk about Mm -hmm. money. And that's one of the biggest things we're trying to change at her first 100K is it's like, we need to have conversations about money, even the casual ones, which is like, wow, I have credit card debt and it's stressing me out, right? Like I Mm -hmm. feel really Mm -hmm. stressed or um, Mm -hmm. I would love to see you tonight, but can we do happy hour instead of like a full blown meal because I'm I'm on a budget. Like mm-hmm. that's a conversation about money that sets your boundaries that that feels you know authentic to you and and reflects your values and this mindset of just like it's almost cool to be broke is just really hurting everybody especially if you remember <laughs> no one is benefiting group. from that right, right yeah yeah well actually maybe there's people at the top that are benefiting from that yeah. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and i just wondered like why was it important for you to hold space for your readers to have that emotional and unpacking before they kind of dive in well because it's really messy it's really yeah. scary it's so easy to avoid it's so easy mm-hmm. to just like cut out and just be like, no, nope, I'm not going to do this. The truth is, is if you want anything in life, you need money. 
the way the system currently exists, and this really is a survival guide to the system, like you have to have mm -hmm. money unless you choose to opt out, which is like Discovery Channel of like Alaska shit where you have your own show where you're like on an outpost <laughs> in Alaska living your own life. And like, that's not sustainable or realistic for most people. So like you need money and we have to use money to better our own lives. And then when we're taken care of, use money to change the entire world. And so I think that why we have to emotionally unpack it is just like anything else, right? We have a statistic in the book that blows people's minds is that the vast majority of your financial habits or the way you view money is actually cemented by age seven. So by yeah. second grade, you have already like come to some conclusions about money because of who is managing money around you, your parents, your family, your guardians, whatever that looks like. And mm -hmm. so much of it is ingrained in us from a very, very young age. And you cannot make changes in any aspect of your life, but specifically financial, unless you understand what's going on in my brain when I pull out my mm -hmm. credit card. What's going on in my brain when I see the stock market go down and I'm freaked out by that. This is why, again, these conversations yeah. have to be coupled with systemic change because mm -hmm. my personal choices are only like 20% of this equation. It's about 80% mm -hmm. circumstantial. But this is, we have to, in order to make any sort of lasting change in, in your life about anything, you have to start emotionally unpacking without judgment and without shame. I joke that you are an anthropologist in your own life. You are just simply like looking at your spending decisions. You're looking at your habits and you're just like, interesting. I mm -hmm. buy things that I don't need and don't want when I have a shit day at work. Interesting, right? I do it to cope. Okay. It's a coping mechanism. Interesting, right? Or I keep all of my money in my checking account because I... I didn't grow up with a lot and I don't know when my, uh, hypothetically, when my next paycheck's coming. So if I put it in a savings account or I put it in an investment account where I can't see it every day, what if it just disappears? All of this is tied back to uh, generational trauma, sometimes like racial background. Like if you're an immigrant, chances are you're managing money in a very different way because of like how you had to see your family navigate that. All of it's emotional. Mm -hmm. All of it's emotional and psychological. All of it. And it's so refreshing, the conversations that are starting to blossom and the shame that we're moving away from. And shame was a, the first thing you kind of opened up your book with, which was really powerful to me of just like, shame is supposed to be a motivator. And I never thought of shame as a motivator. Like shame is very powerful. So like <laughs> when I'm feeling shameful, I will sit in that shame. I talk about in the book how it's the one emotion that has no, like it's, there's no benefit. It's not a productive emotion mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. like- even these these emotions that we categorize as negative or bad, like anger or fear or uh, frustration, right? Like all of these can be productive, right? Like anger can be mm -hmm. productive, but shame mm -hmm. isn't. Like shame does not help you and it does not help the people around you. It doesn't help your relationships. It just makes you feel like shit. And if I were to, you know, walk down the street right now and take the pulse of a hundred people and ask like, what is the emotion you associate with money? It is going to be shame or guilt, or fear, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You would ask me the emotions I associate with money. It is ease, and joy, and luxury, and abundance, and opportunity, wow. right? Because I have gotten to the point mm -hmm. where I can see money as a tool to build the life that I love, not the barrier or the reason I can't. Because I can't teach you how to build a budget, or how to pay off your student loans, or how to open up a Roth IRA, until you understand that all of this is if emotional. We that. And that all of this right. has been cemented in you actually from a very, very young age. Yeah. And that unfortunately, 
But fortunately, again, in a beautiful way, but really sticky, uncomfortable way, unless you work through some trauma first, none of this is going to be sustainable. You can't make this a lifestyle. It's just going to be a diet where you crash and then you like relapse, right? We want to make our positive relationship with money a Mm -hmm. true like lifestyle change that is sustainable for the rest of our lives. And you have to kind of be comfortable getting uncomfortable during that time. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Just thinking about New Year's, I feel like we can be two extremes, right? We either are going into the New Year with very lofty goals or we're a bunch of ostriches and we're just like, I'm not going to touch it. Forget it. I haven't touched it. I'm not going to now. You know, obviously this answer varies person to person, but like what are some things that should be top of mind for people looking to change their relationship with money in the New Year that will set them up for success rather than, you know, get them off track? I love this. A lot of people go into the new year and they're going, okay, this is the year I get my financial shit together. This is the year I get better with money. One, the intent, beautiful. Love it. But two, not helpful. Right. Not helpful because it's a very general thing. It's a very gray thing, which is like, I'm going to get better with money. What does better mean? What does better mean to you? Right. Right. It's not measurable. And I'm going to acknowledge the ostrich effect people first. One, I see you. I hear you. This is so normal. You're not alone. You have to understand, and this is kind of harsh, but it's true. You will have to deal with this at some point. Yeah. So why not just deal with it now? Because it's like this sunk cost fallacy of just like, oh, I'll put it off till later. It's only going to get worse. And you have to get honest with yourself that like, I will have to handle this at some point. And I understand why I haven't because it's scary, but we're going to do that now Mm -hmm. and make it something you look forward to, right? Like literally sit down with your money, grab yourself like a down comforter cocoon and get a glass bottle of wine (laughs) and like have an honest look at your money. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It is. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you have to do it. That is where growth happens. Mm -hmm. Growth happens when you're uncomfortable. So when we set goals, one, they need to be specific. I am going to save $500. Great. Specific, right? Or I'm going to save 10% of my paycheck. Or I'm going to pay off one student loan. Mm -hmm. Great. Specific. Mm -hmm. Second thing is you need to make it timely. I'm going to save $500 a month this year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to save 10% of my paycheck, every paycheck, right? I'm going to pay off my student, one student loan by the end of July, right? Give yourself a specific time with both the specificity of a number or at least like 
a thing plus time, you will know if you hit it or not. Mm -hmm. There is no gray area. It either happened or it didn't. And if it doesn't happen, well, you probably still progressed. And we're looking for progress over perfection here. The most important part of goal setting, again, financial goal, physical goal, mental goal, any, any career goal, anything else, you have to give yourself a reason to care. And that is not a willpower thing. That is a literal psychology thing. You have to give your brain a reason to care. And when shit gets really hard and when you want to give up, you have to have a reason to continue going. Right. So I want to save $500 a month this year to protect myself in case of emergencies because I've been there when I haven't been protected and it's been awful, right? So you can literally take like that exercise Sit down with anything you're trying to do in your life, right, in this next year. And then also create a plan from that, right? If you're like, okay, I am going to go to Italy by the end of this year. Italy costs $2,000. I know I have 12 months. 2000 divided by 12 is the amount of money I need to be saving every month. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to put up an automatic transfer from my checking account to my savings account. So when my paycheck hits, that money is already getting transferred to savings so I don't have to think about it. Because a goal without a plan is just a wish. So set a very specific goal, make it realistic, and then you have to make a plan to actually put that goal into play. Right. Or it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Really good tips because I think even just in a day-to-day to-do list, if I don't have a deadline or if I don't have, right. <laughs> like, where is the growth plan for this? It's not going anywhere. I'm just going to feel overwhelmed. So definitely happens with money. Another question, what does living a financially feminist lifestyle look like in practice? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I mean, when you are financially stable, I talked about this before, but we operate as uh, what I call oxygen mask finances, which is when your oxygen mask is on and you're taken care of, you have a responsibility to help everybody else, right? When you're Mm -hmm. financially good, then you need to use your money and your influence and your power to start changing the communities around you. I try to be the living embodiment of that. I am good financially. I am taken care of. I could quit my job tomorrow or quit HFK tomorrow and never work another day in my life. And I am financially independent, meaning that I could retire tomorrow. One, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that because I like what I do and I know it makes an impact. But two, my responsibility now, because I've taken care of myself, is to give people jobs, to grow a company, to make an impact, to like throw money at charities or organizations I believe in, to Mm -hmm. vote and to uh, call my legislators and to advocate for other people. Like that is my job now. Mm-hmm. And that is the power of having your financial shit together is not only is your life fucking kick ass, but you also get to start changing the system to make sure that one, everybody can put their oxygen masks on and two, that people actually have the masks to put on because plenty of people in society just are not given masks or are not born with masks. And also making sure that again, Money is a lifestyle change and that you're checking in with your money for the rest of your life because you can't just like pay off debt once and be like, again, cool, I'm done. Mm -hmm. You have to stay out of debt. (laughs) You can't go back into debt if you want to progress, right? You have to keep investing. You have to keep saving. That's not a one and done thing. So just like, again, it's like going to the gym or going to therapy. Like there might be times where, you know, you fall off the wagon and that's okay, but we're looking for progress over perfection. You do need to make progress in some aspect, even if progress is just like, okay, I'm not going to slip back today. Mm -hmm. Great. 
All right. Oh, that's okay. Recovering perfectionist loves hearing progress over perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta like get that tatted. Um, we love it. The last question I have for you is, you know, as you're on this journey to help others feel financially well, when have you felt you're most financially well? And like, what did that look like for you? <laughs> I love this question. I actually write about this in the book. There was um, a period of time where I wrote part of it in France and Italy. Mm. I went for two months with my best friend last year to France and Italy. I love it. And um, I was literally like sitting while writing a paragraph. I'm like, I'm literally sitting here in the French countryside drinking Burgundy and writing a fucking book that HarperCollins is paying me to write. doesn't get better than that. That's what money can buy me. Yeah. That's what money can buy me. Mm. It's like the ease and the joy and the luxury of that. And of also knowing like, you know what? If something isn't serving me, I'm out. Like I am out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's being in situations you want to be in rather than situations you're forced to be in and having your life. Like we don't do lukewarm. It's 2023. We don't do lukewarm anymore. We do like piping hot. Like I want a piping hot life Mm -hmm. in every aspect of my life, Mm -hmm. in my relationships, in my money, in my career, in my health. I don't want lukewarm. You deserve a life that you absolutely love and are obsessed with and a life filled with ease and joy in a world that is just so fucking hard. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Tori Dunlap. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. This episode was scripted and edited by Haley Pascalides, mastered by Sarah Gabrielli, and produced by Ella Dove, Abby Stone, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico, and our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.